Hey guys, this is Hunter Levine, and thank you for listening to The Captain's Collective. Every episode, we sit down with a different captain or some sort of fishing industry leader and get to hear some amazing stories while trying to mine out the best content possible. I just want to give a big thanks to everybody who's been following the project. We're having an awesome time with this podcast, and we hope that it's something that you enjoy and find helpful. To subscribe to the podcast or to sign up for our newsletter, head to captainscollective.com or follow along on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it is that you're listening to this. And in today's episode, we sit down with Tom Rowland of the Tom Rowland Podcast and the television show Saltwater Experience and talk about fitness, the myth of finding balance in life, how to build a business, and what makes a great angler. Outside of filming 14 seasons of Saltwater Experience, Tom also guided for roughly 20 years with experience in both fresh and saltwater. This episode was recorded between an Econo lounge and some sort of country Chinese fusion buffet and is filled with all the bustling sounds of Live Oak, Florida. You'll definitely hear some interesting things here to there in the background, but I know that you're going to enjoy it. And thank you again for listening. This is the Captain's Collective. Success is a gift. Excellence is the only thing to strive for. Uh, he, he, he tried to eat it. He tried to eat it. Hit him, hit him, hit him, hit him. He got him. He's on. Got uh, two butt caps off the rods, filled him with tequila. We took a shot and out we went. There, there ain't no getting into it after that. It's you're, you're hooked. It's a bad habit. And all the time, flips the. He's standing there ready to go for a tarpon. Anytime I said, you talk so much, you're like a senator. Thanks so much for being on the podcast, sure. Tom. Grateful to have you here. Before we get going, you mind just telling us where you're heading and what you got going on? Um, well, I'm going from the Miami Boat Show, and I'm headed back up to Tennessee. I'm going to go see my son in uh, Belmont. He's, uh, he's there. Going to hang out with him a little bit. And, um, you know, get ready for turkey season. Nice. Is that what you guys are going to be doing up there in Belmont? Uh, no, he goes to school there. So we're going to, he's all, he's all into this climbing gym and uh, really loves the climbing gym. And it's got a CrossFit component to it and a climbing component to it. So he wants me to come check that out. So I'm going to go up there and um, spend a little time with him and uh, go to his climbing gym. Work on the grip strength a little yeah. bit. That's something, it's funny you mentioned that because that was something we wanted to talk about. I know you travel with workout gear. Yeah. And uh, what, what do you have with you right now? Um, right now, well, I have a kettlebell in the back that apparently came unleashed because I've, I've felt it and heard it um, rattling around like a cannonball in the back of my truck. Um, but I usually carry uh, a minimal amount. The deck of cards workout is my favorite um, travel workout. It's a very simple one. You just eat, you give uh, exercise, or each suit you give an exercise. So there's four suits. So you either have two or four exercises and then like a, um, face cards are 10, aces are 11. So you turn it over, it's, you know, spades or burpees or whatever. So um, you turn it over, it's a two of, two of spades, that's two burpees. Turn over the next card, it's five of hearts, that's five sit-ups. And so that's my go-to travel workout. And then I'll bring a kettlebell. Uh, when you hit a joker, you'll throw in something else. So a joker might be a mile run or it might be, you know, 50 kettlebell swings or it might be something else. So I'll keep the, the kettlebell in there so I can have some weights. But mostly when I'm on the road, I usually do body weight workouts and running um, 
as much as I can. How long do you try to keep the workouts lengthwise? Um, while I'm on the road or when I'm Yeah, when you're on the road. Um, it just, you know, so much depends on what's going on. Like I, I try almost always to get it in before whatever we're doing. So if we're doing a, a shoot, you know, sometimes we're, le- you know, the, it, the meetup time is, you know, 630 at the dock or whatever. So that means that I need to have gotten up at four and put in an hour and then I'll be back at five. I can shower. I can, you know, make sure I got the right clothes on and the right mindset or whatever to, to head into to that day. So if it's earlier, then that obviously means I got to get up earlier. At some point across the line, if we're going to leave it, you know, if it's going to be a four o'clock meet or something like that, then that's going to be an afternoon workout. But for the most part, I like to do it in the mornings if I can. And obviously it's good just to be healthy and to work out, but there's a component too that I think there's a great direct correlation with being on the boat and everything that you're doing. How have you found fitness and holistic fitness to kind of help you with that? That's what started it all for me, really. Um, I I guess I kind of, I mean, I was an athlete in high school. Wrestling was my sport. And, um, and then in the summers I would swim on the, on the swim team. And, and so I was very, you know, active and, and athletics were a big part of my life. And then I decided I wasn't going to wrestle in college. And when I went to college, I didn't do anything. I mean, I, I just left all that behind. And I think a lot of, a lot of athletes, especially wrestlers do because wrestling, man, I mean, it is, it is a grind. It is a very, very difficult sport. And when you throw in the, the combination of cutting weight and, and you know all of the discipline and the practices and the summer camps and everything that you have to do to to wrestle at an elite level when you finally decide okay i'm done with that and i'm fine with being done with that which is where i was when i decided that i was going to not not going to pursue it in college i think that you you know it's like you welcome getting fat and you welcome like not hurting all the time and you welcome you know not having a black eye for nine months and and all of that stuff is is uh you know it's a welcome change because it's the first time in your life that you haven't really stepped on the scale every single day so it's like i went to college and got out of shape and i welcomed being out of shape and then started my fishing career and it wasn't until uh my wife and I started thinking about having children that I was like, man, I got to do something about this. Cause like, I'm not feeling that great. It's, you know, going out on the boat for five days in a row is difficult. Um, I'm going to obviously need to work way more than that. Like, you know, you, you, when you start to, to have children or, or develop a family as a fishing guide, man, everything changes. Like, really everything changes because it's fine you know you can work 120 130 days as a skiff guide and 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 do fine uh you know you can live in a modest place and you're rich i mean basically you you got a you it's a very simple lifestyle you got a boat to pay for you got a truck and you're getting paid in cash a lot and you know it's great but then when you start you know, you, you try to have that same lifestyle with a, with a wife or, and then, then a growing family, things change and you have to work a lot. And, um, so that's really the road to fitness 
for me was necessary because I wasn't able to work enough physically to um, really support my family. So I started running, I started getting in better shape, than the, and I started losing you know, all the weight that I had gained. And um, I just found that, okay, well now I can easily go two weeks without a break. Now I can easily go three weeks without a break. It wasn't long before I was booking every day of the year. You know, I mean, years went by of, of this fitness, but for me it was, it was so much that um, the better shape I was in and the better I took care of myself in the sun, the more energy I had, the more days I could go, the better my attitude was on the boat, the better my communication skills were on the boat. Um, and it all resulted in happier clients and happier clients rebook and rebooking clients make for a successful fishing guide. And, um, and the foundation of all of that was, was fitness for me. I mean, it does, it's not that way for everybody, but it, it definitely was for me because I, I looked at being a professional fishing guide as being a professional athlete. Like, you know, you got to take care of your body. And if you are taking care of your body, your body will do things for you that other people's bodies won't. And so, I mean, I would go on a lot of days that other people weren't going and I would book really wouldn't take any days off. I mean, days off were weather days. So, um, that, that all starts with fitness and then it just became a habit. You know, it just becomes a, a habit that, that is a daily, daily kind of thing. So, and that's, that's kind of a mindset that you have to put yourself in. Uh, me and Hunter were joking on the way here. We, we named you kind of the Jocko Willink of the fishing oh, I world. I, that's a, those are big shoes to fill. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about getting up, you know, you got to meet somebody at 630 at the ramp, you know, getting up at four just to work out. That's not really, you know, I work out when I'm at work because there's nothing else to do. You know, it's hard for me to take a day that I'm going to go fishing and get up and work out before then. Well, it, it do you have kids? Not yet. Okay, well, there it is. Because when you have you know, when you don't have kids, the workout comes. You're like, okay, well, I'll just do it in the afternoon. And you have that time. When you have kids and you're operating on a schedule that um, that doesn't allow for flexibility at any time of the day, all of a sudden what happens is uh, you come home and, and there's a play practice or there's a wrestling tournament or there's soccer game or there's something else. And then, you know, as for me I started coaching all of these activities and, and stuff like that so you pile even more on it you don't get it in today tomorrow it's the same kind of thing there's something else that happens and next thing you know you've gone four or five days without doing it and for me that's not good for my physical health it's not good for my mental health I mean I almost the older I get the more I realize that that the workouts for me are almost more mental than they are physical and um, and they make me way more balanced, you know, and, and I'm better at everything because of it. I'm a better husband, I'm a better father, I'm a better fishing guide, I'm a better television host, I'm a better podcaster, better whatever, whatever it is that, that I'm doing. It almost seems like the fitness aspect of, of it has become just the foundation of everything. And, and when that slips, if it ever does, and it really, it doesn't anymore because I have come to this realization that without that everything else suffers and there was a really tough time for me to try to figure out you know when you got little kids and you're you're trying to spend as much time at home as you can 
how do you fit this in and when is it becoming selfish like i started training for marathons and stuff like that and that requires a lot of time and and these long runs on on a saturday and of course i was i was fishing and then i'd get back and then take a two-hour run and that is you know at some point that starts to borderline on being selfish and but but i had to you know really think about that a lot and it was kind of like okay i'm coming to terms with this because I can see this and I'm going to have to communicate this to my wife and I'm going to have to communicate this to my family. It was easy for my family because I had these running strollers and I put both my boys in there and then my daughter when she was, when she was young too, but I had a double jogging stroller. So it actually worked great because I would get home from fishing in the afternoons and uh, my wife's been with the kids all day and it's like, here, take them. And I would be like, great. And so we would go running and, and that worked well until they got to a certain age to where there are all these afternoon activities and other things that get in the get in the way of getting that run in and they don't want to ride in the stroller anymore you know they're they're they want to actually run or ride their bikes with me well i just had to make it a morning a morning routine but um it's a it's a delicate balance to try to figure out like am i being super selfish and i'm trying to do this for myself or am i or am i doing this because i feel like i'm going to be a better uh, member of this family if I'm in better shape and I have <laughs> nice <laughs> motorcycle uh, if I'm in better shape and I have this uh, this priority of taking care of myself so that then I can take care of other people in my life better and that's that's where it kind of sits with me and you talk about that balance piece I mean you're, you're a humble guy but ever since I was you know watching outdoor television I've watched shows with you on them or with the saltwater experience you know you got the television you got you know all sorts of you got the podcast going you got a lot of things going on but I can tell even just from our few conversations that family is a really big priority for you and so you got all these different things that you're kind of juggling but what advice would you give to people who they're trying to run a business they're trying to you know, fish and stay healthy. What, what type of advice would you give them for trying to find that balance in their life and with their families? Well, I don't know if I'm the best person to give advice on finding balance because it's a tricky thing. I think, I think that in, in order to be successful, your life has to be way out of balance for a certain amount of time. And the real trick to, ha- to being successful in your business and in your family and in your marriage is to it's not finding balance it's find it's making sure that everybody understands what's going on and it make it's making sure that your wife understands okay at this point in our life we really have to buckle down and we're we're trying to buy a house and that means that you know if if we want certain things we're going to have to do certain things and if you if you want um you know, if, if you want things that other people, I don't know, if you want things, you're going to have to do things that other people aren't willing to do. And the, there is a real delicate balance to making sure that everybody's getting the time that they need while your business is also getting the time that it needs. And there for a while, you've got to be way out of out of balance and it has to go like as far as being a fishing guide it has to go to to an obsessive 
just level that that most people don't understand that i mean you your mind is racing as you're going to sleep where am i going to fish what's the tide doing what's the wind doing oh the wind just changed directions what is that going to mean for my whole plan tomorrow how is this all going to work you, you know and and you're losing sleep over it even though you're physically completely exhausted and i mean I don't know. It's not a balance. Later, once that you have developed the clientele, once you have have developed your reputation, later you can you can back off and take weekends off and start to make a balance out of your life, but but in the beginning, man, I guess I suggest not getting married because that's not the time. That's the time that you go nuts and you and everyone around you is 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 looking at you like you're completely insane. Even the other fishing guides, even the other people that are in your business or whatever, you have this unbelievably crazy work ethic that no one else can keep up with. And I don't think that's the time to get married, honestly. I think once that, you know, and, and this is the tricky thing too, is once you're in that, going nuts and just working and and at night you're working on your tackle when other people are going out and at night you're you're you know studying charts and or or studying whatever your business is and you're not doing these other things how are you meeting someone that you're going to spend the rest of your life with that's a real trick too is that you know you kind of got to get out there to meet someone and if all you're doing is working you know you're you're probably not going to meet that person. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, there's so much balance and fi- finding this this balance. But for the most part, I mean, I guess that's a long way to answer your question is that when you're first getting started and you're trying to do something that somebody else hasn't done before or you're trying to make, a, make yourself successful or you have goals or aspirations, it's probably not the time to try to come up with this super balanced lifestyle because that's going to be a recipe to being mediocre, honestly. That's a great point. And some good advice that was given to me too uh, was there was an article that was once sent to me and it talked about the myth of balance. And it talked about really, you know, we have this idea that we got to balance everything perfectly and have all the right, you know, time allocations for each thing. And really what I'm beginning to notice more and more too, is that a lot of uh, a theme that I'm seeing is a passion or like a determination that people have and they just apply that passion in every aspect of life, whether it's waking up and working out, whether it's on the boat, whether it's being at home. And I know that's how my wife is. Like for her, it's not, I need you to spend 10 hours a day with me. For her, it's, I, I want you to be present when you're here. I don't want you to be one of those husbands that comes home and gets on Instagram and doesn't pay attention to me, you know, to come home and, and to, and to say, how was your day? How are you doing? And I even love what you mentioned. You know, you would get off the boat and you recognize that you could work out, you could run with your kids, you could serve your wife because that gives her some time to anybody that's been a, a full day with a child understands that. <laughs> and, you know, so I think that that's, that's definitely a thing that you can notice is just this determination, this kind of ability to get after it. And that was something we were talking about as we were driving over here to meet. You know, I can tell you started this podcast a year ago, the Tom Rowland podcast. Yeah. And I can tell that you are taking it serious and you're getting after it and you're putting out a lot of good content. You're probably putting out the most content that I've seen in the outdoor space and it's good content. It's with 
you know, great names, great anglers, and, and uh, a pretty good variety of people. How, how have you um, tried to guard that passion or that intensity and not lost your edge over the years? Mm. Um, those are all good questions. Um, well, I don't know that you lose your edge if you, if you are truly passionate about it. And, and so that's never been a problem. Like for me, that, that the passion aspect is, it's there. It's, it's real. It's doesn't seem to be going away. And pretty much whatever I do, I'm either all in or all out. So whether that's fishing or fitness or hunting or parenting or, or, you know, podcasting or whatever, if I'm, the recipe for me to be unsuccessful is to be me to be uninterested. And then the successful part, I mean, I don't know if you call a podcast successful just because you put out a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, people seem to like it. I enjoy doing it. It's very easy for me um, in comparison to the other things that, that I do because it's just me. Um, it's a, it's one little box that I have sitting over here. There are no other schedules. There's no other crew. There's no other anything. And, and for me, it's an opportunity to sit down with a lot of people that for the most part, I haven't spent that much time with, or maybe I did in the past in the form of, um, like, uh, um, going out and fishing all day and, at the time that we were doing this, it was the time, you know, times before cell phones were there. So, you know, we used to talk about all kinds of stuff on the boat. And for me, the podcast is not unlike taking someone fishing, hmm. say, in the Everglades or the Marquesas, where maybe you don't have cell phone reception. And so it's just two people on the boat. And you talk about everything under the sun from parenting to Sasquatch to you know, funny things that happen to people bearing their souls and telling you this stuff that they don't tell anyone else. And a fishing guide all of a sudden becomes a therapist and a, and, and somehow with your lack of business experience, you somehow become a business coach and somehow to, to CEOs, which is a very strange thing. They're asking you what your opinion of their <laughs> giant business is. And you're like, dude, I don't know. And they're like, well, that's why I'm asking because it's fresh eyes and it's like a different unique perspective and everyone around them is trying to tell them what they want to hear and they're like what do you think about this like i don't know it doesn't make any sense to me at all and they're like that's nobody's telling me that Mm. like what does make sense man why are you asking me i'm just i'm just pushing this boat with a stick like (laughs) hey i don't don't know know. there's a fish at 10 (laughs) o'clock yeah but i mean there is this thing that that you develop these relationships with these people and they trust you and they realize that you're not you're not asking anything from them you don't want anything from this other than for them to have a good time today and so they sometimes take that as this is a good opportunity to ask about this thing that's bothering me i guess i don't know yeah but you know i think that that goes into if you sit down with somebody and have a good conversation with them long enough man you end up talking about a lot of things that maybe you didn't intend to when you first sit down that's a great point that's a good parallel too between you know the being out on the boat and the long form conversation and questions that people ask and then just the nature of television which 
I think the TV shows are fantastic, and I really like when you guys do something like here's a nod or here's how we do the leader setup. And but you also have all the aesthetic that you need in there too. You know, we, you see the fish jump or see the fish fish feed. Well, you're serving a lot of masters on the TV show, and that's one of the reasons why I particularly like the podcast because. I mean, if we have a great conversation, I can make that a two-hour show. I can make it a 30-minute show. It doesn't matter. I mean, it, there's no, there are no rules. In television, there are very specific rules. It needs to be 22 minutes and 30 seconds long. There needs to be three, three breaks, three, it's a three-part show. There's going to be commercial breaks throughout. And there is a, I mean, there is a, a very defined deal. You send it in a different way, and it comes back to you. Right. Like there's quality control and, you know, each network's a little bit different. But for the most part, you're producing a 22 minute, 30, 30 second show. Within that, there are billboards and there are, um, you know, features and there, there are the bumps to the break and there's the open graphic and there's all this stuff. And it boils down to about maybe 10 minutes of fishing. And if you have a guest, it's even worse because now you have to tell their story. So that cuts into the fishing time. So that's one of the reasons why we don't have a lot of guests because what I notice is sometimes that makes for a great show, but oftentimes that cuts into the action. And and we already have barely any action. And, you know, even if you have a great day of fishing, you catch five or six tarpon, say, the chances of getting all that in the show i mean most of that doesn't make it and <laughs> so that's kind of frustrating um but you're 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 always trying to walk the fine line between you know entertainment you have to serve the fans you have to produce a show that is interesting and fun to watch you have to i mean there's a sponsorship element of it so you have to do a good job for the sponsors. You have to do a good job for the location. You have to represent all of these things well. And in doing that, you also have to fit it into this 22 minute and 30 second pre predetermined format. It's hard to do. I mean, and then the other thing that's hard to do is you go out fishing but it's nothing like going out fishing. Uh, you have a camera boat. You've got, you know, a lot of personnel over there. You're moving people between the boats. It's very challenging to catch anything. But people find people sometimes find that to be the most interesting thing to talk about. And that's one of the questions that people ask a lot: is, you know, how do you film a TV show? It seems like that would be really hard. It is, but that's honestly the easiest part of the whole business. The hardest part of the whole business is keeping everything going from year to year. Um, the easiest part's actually going out there and catching fish, even though that's monumentally more difficult than it is if just me and you go out. Me and you guys go out, we're going to be able to, you know, enter this spot perfectly the way it should be. If we got a fish into the sun a little bit, so be it. With the cameras, you can't do that. Like the the guys are back there going, no, I can't. I, this is a terrible shot, you know. <laughs> so you got to go around the other way, and like, 
wow, I've never done that before. <laughs> and it seems like it's not going to be possible, but, and most of the time it's not. And, but sometimes you can, you know, go real slow around and now you're in the same position on the other side of the school of fish or on the other side of the single tailing bone fish. And sometimes they stay there. I mean, I've learned a lot like that about, about patience and what's possible and things that, that I thought were completely impossible. Eh, if you go slow enough and you try, you can find that you can make some of those things happen. You guys are out there like, you know, catching tailing bonefish is just too easy. We need to add some more factors in this. Thing. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you, it's not too easy. And, uh, but I, I can say that there have been some situations that I have seen happen that I would have, I would have told you that's completely 100% impossible before I've seen it happen. Like, well, we had a, <clears throat> we had a um, school of redfish and it was one of the better shows that we've ever filmed. And it was early morning, slick, calm, and these redfish are just tailing and it's a big area of them. Well, we approach it to where the shot's terrible. So we have to go all the way around this school of fish. I didn't think it was gonna be possible for one boat to go around I, and certainly not for two boats to go around. It, but we did it once and then we thought, okay, well, wouldn't it be cool if we had the camera boat on one side and the fishing boat on the other so the camera guys are shooting down light we're looking into the light but we can see these fish well enough and you set up this situation to where it couldn't have been done better but if you had told me that's what we were going to do that morning I would have been like let's just go somewhere else because that there's no way I mean if that's if that's what we're trying to do with all these boats and all these people it's just not going to happen. I mean, these fish are in very shallow water. They're spooky. You know, one slammed hatch, you can see them. They, all, they blow. And, um, but it can happen. Props to happen. the camera guys, too, for being quiet and <laughs> stealthy. Yeah. No, I mean, you got to have a good team out there for sure. But I don't know. I mean, I've just seen a lot of things that, that I would certainly not have thought were possible. And um, it's, it's kind of like, okay. Uh, I don't know. When we first started it, um, we were in this tournament mindset where we were just trying to catch as many fish as fast as possible. And our camera guy and producer kind of pulled us aside and was like, look, I know you guys can catch a lot of fish, but it doesn't matter if you catch a lot of fish if the shot's bad. Like, if you want to make a good show, you need to rethink everything. And you need to think about, okay, do we have the camera guys in the right place? Is catching one fish and documenting it, documenting it well, that, that beats catching a hundred fish where you're too far away or the camera's all shaky or, you know, whatever. So we had to really rethink that. And it was hard because, you know, how does, how does catching one fish feel successful? <laughs> you know, I mean, like that doesn't, when, when, you know, maybe you were out the day before pre-fishing or, or on charters recently, you've been just killing them. And so now you're trying to catch one. It's a totally different mindset, but that's what it is. It's a mindset. And then that's a victory. It's kind of like, kind of like the difference between a regular charter and, um, filming or, or a regular charter and then being in a fishing tournament. Like if you're in a fishing tournament, it doesn't matter how many tarpon you jump makes no difference whatsoever but that in a charter 
That makes your client super happy. Oh, I jumped seven today. It was great. Best day I've ever had. doesn't make any difference that he didn't land one. It was almost better that he didn't land one because it was more action. Yeah. But in a tournament, you do that, and you got a zero, a goose egg on the board. So, you know, that's a different mindset of it doesn't matter how many we hook. It doesn't matter, you know, what how many we see. It doesn't matter how beautiful the sunrise was. The only thing that matters is getting that fish to the boat, getting it taped properly, taking a picture, whatever you got to do. And if you don't do that, you got you got a goose egg. That's how we had to start thinking about the television show is, okay, is are the cameras in the right place? Is the light correct? Is everybody happy before we catch this fish? And then that's a victory at that point. So, I don't know, just a different different mindset. So taking all those factors from that TV show that you're talking about, has that in any way taken taken away some of the joys of fishing for you? <laughs> does, it, well, does it turn it into work? Instead oh, well, of- it's definitely work. There's no question that it's work. But... I think that the only reason that I say that it it hasn't taken away anything from it f- for me, because I see it as it almost exactly the same journey as when I was just an angler and was interested in being a guide because I loved fishing. And it didn't take very long to realize that if you're going to be a good fishing guide, you're not going to do a lot of fishing. You need to be a good fishing guide, and you need to embrace that role as your as the guide. It doesn't matter how well you can cast. It doesn't matter how if you can catch that fish. None of that matters whatsoever. The only thing that matters is that you communicate to your customer in a way that they can understand and they can catch that fish. The fact that you can catch it is meaningless. And I think that's where a lot of people... Um, may enter the guiding business and decide that it's not for them because they entered it to be a fisherman. And then they get there, and that's the last thing they're doing. They haven't touched a rod in months. Well, some people embrace that role, and some people don't. The people that don't either just fight it their whole career and become bitter and they're not happy with the way their, their angler's performing on the bow or whatever. Other people... The greats, the, the true greats, work on their communication skills. They work on being able to teach themselves how to do it, maybe left-handed, so they can understand the difficulties that this person seems to be having doing it right-handed, right? They've been doing it right-handed their entire life, but try to teach yourself to do it left-handed, and you, you now feel like you're a guy from Ohio that's never fished before, right? So the greats work on communication skills the greats embrace the role of being the guide and and they're uninterested in being the fisherman on that day there may be another day that they like to go out with their buddies and be a fisherman that's great but when they're a guide they're a guide and and they take that role very very seriously um so as you move into the television it's the same thing like there's now a there's now a um, a goal that has been has been um, um, communicated to us by people that know way more than us about um, production. Okay, this is what we're looking for. See how the light looks right here. See how you can see see that's 
we need to be here and you guys need to be over there doing exactly the opposite thing that you would ever do pulling into the sun to where you can't see and but we need you to catch the fish it's like hmm that's, that sounds tough <laughs> sounds horrible but yeah that sounds that sounds tough but you know you can do it if you do it if if you're very patient and you just realize okay well we're probably going to blow 50 before we catch one fine the ca- the camera guys are saying fine that's fine it doesn't matter if you don't catch them what does matter is that you catch the one and it's documented well so i mean we've we've had lots of criticism over the years that we don't have enough fish in the shows Oh, that's I, why I agree. <laughs> I agree, and and yeah, we would like to have more fish in the shows, but sometimes it's sometimes it's pretty challenging to catch one under perfect conditions. And then when you throw all these other things into it, it can be. I, I don't know. I, I look at it sometimes. And I'm like, man, I can't believe we caught what we caught because <laughs> there are a lot of challenges going into it. That's a really good segue to one of the big questions I had when you first said, hey, I'm, I'm willing to do the podcast, man. We're just so grateful that you're willing to sit down and invest in guys who are kind of at the beginning of just trying to understand how all this works is, man, you've fished with so many different captains, guides. You fished with everything from the guy from Ohio who has never touched a fly rod before. Um, and one of the things I was really wondering was what are some of the common things that you see in great anglers what's some of the dna that those guys have that really makes them world class or the best of the best yeah well time on the water certainly um and you're right i have fished with when i first started when i first started um my fishing career was a couple years before river runs through it came out the anglers that you got were pretty good they had usually had a fly rod in their hand but when that movie came out you got everyone who saw it wanted to fish there and and that's where I was in Jackson Hole Wyoming and so that's a big tourist place blockbuster movie big hit you got everything you got people that had never fished before and they they think that that's the introduction to fishing great it was fantastic and we we introduced a tremendous amount of people to to fly fishing and in doing that you come up with a way that you can teach somebody how to fly fish in just a few minutes and get them out there and catch fish within within a couple hundred yards of the boat ramp and um then in key west you know when money's tight i used to do a full day trip and then i used to pick up people from the cruise ship like you want to talk about people that never that don't know anything about anything get them off a cruise ship and and that is i mean i'm going from fishing fitz coker on the ocean side the most technical tarpon fishing that you can do to unloading all the fly rods at the dock and then going and picking up some cruise ship people and (laughs) there's a big difference there um the best anglers Mm. i think the best anglers that i know are people that can do it all um, and this that immediately makes this group of people a very small group because like a lot of people got into flats fishing or, or whatever because of a movie river runs through it or because of some cool thing that they saw and they start fishing by fly fishing which is fine glad to have them in the sport but 
they're limited in their in their understanding of just fish and bait and things like that. And they are very skilled with a fly rod, and that's great. But they're missing out on what other anglers have as a foundation. So some of the best fly fishing, best fly fishermen I know for tarpon or for permit or bonefish or even trout or steelhead or whatever have a foundation in all types of fishing. So they don't catch tarpon on bait anymore because they've literally caught thousands of them on bait. It's not a challenge for them anymore. It's not even interesting to them anymore. So then they move to catching them on artificial lures. And then they, you know, move to, oh, what's this fly fishing about? And then they became a, a person that only fly fishes for tarpon. Okay, great. Fitz Coker is a great example. Fitz Coker, in my opinion, is the best tarpon fisherman that has, that has ever lived. He is, he's the best. And he has more time on the water than anyone else. And he's caught more tarpon than anyone else, I would, I would wager. And he's done it in every way possible. He's live baited for them. He's chummed for them. He's sat. He, he's, he's fished with every guide from Jose Wahebe to Ray Fetcher to Marshall Cutchin to myself to Doug Kilpatrick and ev- all the best guides that, that have ever gone to Key West. He's gotten time on their bow. He's picked up little things from each one of those people. But what makes him great is that he understands the fish so well, and he understands the fish so well because he's not one-dimensional in his thinking. He understands the bait. He understands what, it, what you would do to catch them in a certain situation. He understands so much about the fish because he has a, a, a universal understanding of them. And I think somebody that only fly fishes for them doesn't have that. And the best anglers that I know, some, some of the best fly fishermen I know don't even like to fly fish. They're great at it. Cal Blumberg, great. He's great. Again, he's great because he understands the fish. He's, he, he can throw a spinning rod into a teacup from without a splash from 60 70 feet away that's what he prefers to do there's actually more skill involved in that than there is probably in in throwing an 80 foot cast uh, with a fly rod but i think the best anglers along again a long roundabout answer to your question the best anglers first spend a lot of time on the water secondly they have a a universal understanding of the fish they fished in a lot of different places they fished with a lot of different techniques they are not bound to one technique like a religion they are open to you know okay today's windy let's do this okay great today is i want more of a challenge today's windy we're going to fly fish for them because it's windy think the best anglers also um, fish in tournaments um, not all of them but but some at least have that experience and I think the best anglers also fish with a tremendous number of guides in a lot of different parts of the world in a lot of different seasons of the year so again 
what makes a what makes an angler great is exactly what makes a guide great it's somebody that takes it seriously is trying to learn a little bit every single day and and realizes that no matter who you're fishing with or who you're talking to and what their experience level is that person can teach you something and so the best of the best of the best of the best have an open mind and are willing to learn from anyone and you know just continue to continue to try to learn and it's that open mind kind of thing as soon as you think you know it all I, I believe that you just shut yourself off to the possibility of learning anything else so I don't see that attitude in great anglers I don't see that attitude in great guides I see that attitude in in highly experienced people that aren't getting any better mm. that's that's a really really helpful and um, the whole idea of a full glass can't receive water we've mm. we've heard that several times and I really like what you said about a, a well-rounded kind of holistic angler it's kind of like the mixed martial arts scene <laughs> where like you know um, I, I did jujitsu for a year and really enjoyed it and you know you got these guys that are really 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 good at jujitsu but if it's all they do and they step in that ring, they might get caught. They might get caught with right. somebody who's really good at boxing or, you know, fill in the blank. And so I think that's a really helpful, a helpful kind of tad bit there of what, what the holistic aspect of fishing can do for anglers. Yeah, but at the same time, there are people out there that are, they, they love throwing shrimp to bonefish or they love throwing crabs to permit. And that's what they like to do. And they have no desire to fly fish. Fine. And there are fly fishermen out there that... They truly just want to go fly fishing. They have they they don't have any desire to do it any other way. That's fine too. Whatever floats your boat, man. Go get out there and have fun. That's what we're all supposed to be doing. It's the infighting and and one group saying that 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 it it's better than the other is what gets me. I really don't like that at all. You got a you got a guy on the boat that has never caught a permit on a crab in his life. And he's he's telling you that what those guys over there are doing is wrong. Like, how can you say that when you never tried it? Like, and I'm guilty of it too, man. That's how I started. I started fly fishing in saltwater, like, and didn't I didn't even have a spinning rod. And you know, I would say I'd rather catch one on fly than ten on bait. Well, that was before I caught ten on bait, and catching ten on bait is really fun, and it teaches you a lot. And so then you start thinking, wow, would I really rather catch one on fly than 10 on bait? But there are people out there that just, look, they don't even get to go fishing that much. They go fishing maybe two or three times a year. They want to fly fish, and that's all they want to do. And you need to know enough about guiding that, and there needs to be proper communication in advance that if that's the person that you're taking fishing, even if it's way better and you know you could go take the guy over there and catch five permanent on crabs right now it's so good and they're floating in this channel and it's so easy and you know you've never caught one i can catch you five before the end of the day the tide's perfect everything's going to be great he literally has no you're going to lose that person as a client he has no desire to do that and as a good guide what i what i figured out somehow was that the communication leading up to that trip is so incredibly important to know that that's the person that you're dealing with 
Don't even bring a spinning rod. Don't have crabs in the boat. Don't even mention it. It's like it doesn't even exist because he don't want to hear it. And the same holds true for, you know, when the fly fishing is off the charts and you got a bait fisherman. You're like, man, if you just pick up that fly rod, we could crush them. And, you know, they don't want to hear it. They, that's not what they booked you for. They don't want to do that. So, I don't know. That, that's, um, that's something that I think a lot of people encounter is that that customer that, you know, you're, you think you're opening their eyes, but they already know, and that's not what they want to do. Yeah, and I've noticed there's some people who really like to work with, like, a master angler, and they want to really hone in and, and target certain species with a fly. And then you have other guys that, obviously, back to the guy that gets off the cruise ship, you know, like, there's a lot of frustrations. You're dealing with knots. You're dealing with just, you know, little things like that. But there is something really neat, and I've heard several guys talk about this, just about being on that boat when that person catches their first redfish or being on that boat when that person catches their first snook and the excitement they have and it kind of brings you back to a place when you were younger and you were first catching your first of whatever species and so i think that's a big component to it too that that a lot of guides enjoy they yes this is not an experienced angler but man i get to be on the boat in this person's big moment when they hook that first tarp in or fill in the blank there's no question about it it's the same as fishing with kids like i probably like fishing with kids better than i like fishing with expert anglers i mean there's that excitement every time with a kid and um you know when i had my own kids and started fishing with them a lot that really changed the way i fished a lot and um what i kind of wanted to do and i i like taking people with their with their kids and um you know a lot of times sitting on the ocean throwing flies at tarpon is not fun for an eight-year-old like not even (laughs) a little bit they don't even think it's fun to look at them after a while and and i think that you're defeating the whole purpose there and and that's kind of the thing too like the communication again you got a dad that says hey look i'm gonna i want to bring my my eight-year-old son and we want to fly fish for tarpon well that deserves a conversation like are you sure that's what you want to do because maybe could we do that like part of the time and then here's here's what else we might you might consider like let's get your let's get your son out there and bend this rod like all day and then day two he's going to have a lot more patience and be be more interested in what's going on and you can work him up from catching you know small fish to larger fish and bigger fish and bigger fish until now he sees a tarpon come out of the water and you you catch this thing on a fly rod well okay now that's in his now that's in his mind okay i want to do that someday and then you kind of work on okay well it takes practice and now you have to learn how to how to cast this rod and and then some kids are like oh well if i got to do all that i'm not interested (laughs) that ties that communication piece you were talking about where it's important just to as a guide have that that communication piece with anglers we've heard a lot of guys say and i think it's attributed to flip palette but that when you're a guide you're an entertainer i'm not sure if you agree with that or don't but you mentioned it as a therapist to this aspect where the relationship between the guide and the angler is really important it's not just about driving somebody out to a channel and drowning a shrimp and catching again that's a difference between a, a a great and a good is is that the great understands that yes you have to be an entertainer and you are definitely an entertainer and a happy customer is someone that uh, that rebooks immediately 
and you know there's a especially with young guides there's 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 this desire to to want to return to the dock with catching the biggest or the most or or whatever may not be what your customer wants like you can overdo it too you can go out there and your customer catches you know two tarpon by 10 o'clock in the morning and he's 65 years old and his wife's back at the hotel and he's thinking you know what this is the greatest day ever all i want to do is go home i'm going to have the rest of the day to spend with my wife we can do this again tomorrow and it's it's literally the best day of the year a lot of guys no man no this is the day we have to be out here well maybe but what's going to make that guy really happy is for you to listen to him and do what he says. And, man, if you want to go fishing after that, go on your own. Like, that'd be great. But, you know, I think a lot of people, I don't know, I did a How To Tuesday uh, little show just recently on this. Like, basically what makes a happy customer. But, you, you know, your, your, your job as a guide is to first entertain your customer and make sure that they're having the best day that they can possibly have. Uh, secondly is for them to learn something and way down the list is for them to you know catch the best fish of their life because you can go out with people and and entertain them learn something you know catch a couple of fish and they've literally had the best day they've ever had and they want to do that not only tomorrow but they want to book you for this time next year and they want to do it again it it has zero to do with whether they caught a world record fish or whether they 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 caught you know even even the biggest fish of their life you went out you showed them something they had a great time they want to do it again that's a successful trip now that goes into the difference between fishing tournaments and then fishing television shows like what what makes for a successful charter does not equal a successful fishing tournament and you need to know the parameters around that before you go in i mean that's that's really what it's all about like okay now we're in a fishing tournament and it doesn't matter how happy you are we're not out here for you to be happy we're out here to win this fishing tournament right and that's where i think a lot of people don't like fishing tournaments is is it sucks the fun out of it for them like i want to sit here and have this cup of coffee and watch the sun come up what are you kidding we're going to be behind 50 boats Mm -hmm. okay so that person is like, well, that's the whole reason I'm out here. The rest is just gravy on the cake, you know? Like, I want to watch the sun come up. Well, that person's probably not going to have a big future in the fishing tournaments. Okay, fine. Same thing with, with, the, with the television show. It's a different... You're, you're after a different goal, so there has to be a different process going in. And then for you to really be successful at it i think you you just have to embrace that whatever that is whether that's the charter business or whether it's taking your children fishing and all of a sudden you know tarpon fishing might be great but you're catching pinfish with your four-year-old son and you know what he's having a great time what's he going to do with a hundred pound tarpon Uh, like that's not the time like catching pinfish keep catching pinfish you can use them for bait the next day anyway that's good just (laughs) kind of reevaluating the 
the what success is for each particular situation and and kind of as we kind of come towards a close you know with you something i was wondering is on a bigger picture you know you got the podcast and television you got your son and your family i mean when you think about what success looks like 20 years from now what are some things that come to mind with that man i don't know i think i think success is i think success for me is is really doing everything i can to help other people have success for themselves and as a fishing guide it's a very simple thing and that's one of the things that i loved about guiding that i miss the most is that every day it's a very simple thing you have someone that gets on your boat and your job is to show them the best possible day that that you can and it's a gift and and if you take it seriously you can you can change lives you can you literally can i mean i've seen it to where you show somebody a good time in a couple of years they've now bought a house down there they're spending all kinds of time they change everything about their life because they had such a good time maybe they start fishing with other guides too great but they they had such a good time fishing with you that it changed their life for the better okay it's a it it you're not going to do that every time. But when someone gets on the boat, it's a very simple thing. You are trying to entertain them enough and show them the best possible time they could possibly have. And have them st- step off that boat and say, wow, that was way better than I thought it was going to be. And hopefully his wife's there too. And she goes, you know what? I didn't know what to think about this fishing thing, but I loved that. Are we going to do it again? Or maybe it's their kid, or maybe it's their nephew, or whoever is with them. Maybe there's nobody with them. But for them to step off and be blown away that they learned a bunch of stuff, they saw the most beautiful water they've ever seen, the guide was cool, he was funny, they, you know, they just had a good time from the moment they stepped on the boat to the moment they got off. And you know what they're going to remember a few years later? They're going to remember that day was fun. They're not going to remember we caught six fish or seven fish or it was 20-something inches or whatever. They're going to remember, man, you remember those days we used to go to Key West? Those were awesome. That's good. And and that's a successful trip. So success in, in life, I think, is, is doing that in whatever. If it's the podcast, can you put stuff out there that really has an effect on someone? Can you help somebody to, to get their story out there so that they can... I don't know, do whatever they want to with it. Can you can you find and uncover these stories like you're doing? I mean, like what you guys are doing is really cool. Like you just said that you 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 did a podcast with Nat Raglan. Nat Raglan is a legend among legends. And to get his story and share it with other people is really cool. And if if that also motivates somebody to do something or start a business or I don't know whatever you know or or just entertain them as they're as they're going down the road that's a win i think and so you know with with everything as far as success goes i mean i don't know i don't even know what's next yeah i had that question we were talking about that on the drive out here uh but is there any show or podcast or kind of 
that that thing that you're still trying to get that you haven't got a chance to do yet? Oh, there's there's lots, and some of them have to do with fishing, and some of them don't, and some of them have to do with 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 things tangential to fishing, but not not. I mean, there's so many, and I think that if you don't have a, I mean, I'm 50 years old, and if I felt like I had done everything I wanted to do, I think it'd be a pretty sad existence. Um, I don't. I, I keep a list that is way bigger than anything I'm going to be able to accomplish or experience in this lifetime. I have a list of places I'd like to go. I have a list of things I'd like to do, of fish I'd like to catch, of mountains I'd like to climb, of things I'd like to do with my family. I mean, it's constant and growing and, you know, everything I learn, I start thinking, oh, I'd like to do that too, you know, but... (laughs) You know, I don't know. I, 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 there's plenty of people that I would love to have on the podcast. Well, we've really, we've enjoyed the podcast a lot. And, and that's been a neat thing, I think, as people who watched you on the television shows and the 22 minutes and 30 seconds of content <laughs> and, you know, maybe read articles, which, you know, are another medium that you see a different side of people. But we've, we've enjoyed that journey and um, it's been really neat. And you still got plenty of time left to continue to keep chasing after oh, those things uh, let's hope so let's hope so especially if you keep carrying around that deck of cards and working out and, um, <laughs> well, that's not going anywhere uh just a a couple rapid fire questions here at the end is, is there any piece of of gear or thing that you've picked up in, in your travels recently that has just really either changed the way that you travel or changed the way you fish or any any goods out there that that people hmm. should look into hmm um yeah, I really like my new my new twenty four yellowfin boat. Yeah, everybody should have one of those. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, yeah, that's changed that's changed a lot. Um, Does that have a tower on it? Yeah, second station. That's nice too. I don't I, I don't use the second station as much as I mean. It, the rougher it is, the rougher it is up there. You know, like it's the, the closer to the deck you are. So I mean, it's great if it's calm. I don't like riding up there if it's rough. But um, I don't know. Um, I just came from the Miami Boat Show, and I got to say that it was not a year of just unbelievable innovations. I would think that if there was something that is changing anything about, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I think you stumped me on that one. I don't <laughs> think that I have anything new that I'm carrying around with me or doing anything with that has changed anything. I mean, I'm pretty. I'm pretty much. Uh, exactly the same i mean i start every trip the same way i throw in some workout gear pretty much the same things every time um and don't really deviate that much yeah don't fix what's not broken you know sometimes you know every once in a while you you get somebody that picks up on hey i got this hook sharpener or hey i you know oh yeah i mean sometimes sometimes that is you you know you do find those world changing things and that's pretty exciting when that happens but lately it really hasn't happened (laughs) sure is it what are you most excited about with all your projects going on what's the thing that you're just this is what i'm i'm most floored about Mm, well i i like the podcast a lot and i i think that i think that that has some real potential and i think that um maybe doing some live live events and speak more more kind of live events and speaking kind of things are are of interest um 
the podcast is definitely probably what I'm most excited about right now, but that kind of goes into the whole, um, the whole digital world is, is exciting to me. The podcast is exciting because, um, I think, I don't know what day it is today. Um, like the, like the 16th or 18th or something. I think 16th. 16th. So, uh, last year on February 27th, the first podcast of my podcast published. I had no idea what to expect, but I did commit to doing it for a year. And so we're approaching that, that year kind of thing. And I, I really didn't have any expectations. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know. I, I, I mean, this was a whole new venture for me on the first couple. Um, I didn't actually even like it that much because I was using a computer and this, this scarlet thing. And, and, uh, there was like an equalizer and that was just too much. It was way too much. And I was trying to do it by myself and I ended up losing a couple of interviews and some of them weren't good. And I just, it was so distracting that I couldn't really focus on what I now find fun about it. Once I simplified the gear, came up with a situation that that I can just carry around that little box and I can do it anywhere. Um, like we're just sitting out out between a McDonald's and a and a and Econo right now. <laughs> it's a little different than the keys. Yeah, I mean we are under this beautiful tree. This is yeah. a, a remarkably beautiful uh, old Florida tree with with Spanish moss hanging from it. But the um, the podcast is interesting because I've just receive more feedback on the podcast than anything else that we've ever done magazine articles photographs television shows um movies all of that kind of stuff i have never ever received so much feedback from people that are so into what we were doing or talking about the next most feedback i would have gotten probably the not videos um, and those have done incredibly well. And that was, that was kind of a fun little project. Those are awesome. Um, but, but, uh, the podcast is interesting because it's just a longer form. I get to sit down with people that I have a lot of respect for and want to learn from. And I have learned way more than I thought. So that's probably the most exciting thing, I guess. That's great. Are there, are there any closing thoughts or remarks or, or hopes that you want to see out of, um, you know, things like this initiative? Um, well, I, you know, the hope is that, that you, that I can actually put out some content that people find valuable and that, that is interesting to them and authentic and, and unique. And, um, the, the second hope is that, you know, I can continue to get these people that I really want to sit down with to, to sit down and, and tell their story in a way that people haven't heard it before. And I think if, if those two things happen, then I think that the project will, will speak for itself eventually. But I don't know. I mean, I just want to keep doing things that I'm interested in right now. It's a podcast next, you know, with as fast as technology goes, there could be something else, you know, soon, soon after this. And, and like, we're not on any kind of cutting edge on doing podcasts now. No. <laughs> I mean, they've been out there for a long time. It's just, and I, and I thought about doing one for about two years. And like you, um, like we discussed before, I mean, it was kind of uh, uh, paralysis by analysis. I wanted to make sure I had all the right stuff. And I wanted to make sure that I had this guest list. 
And it wasn't until I just kind of jumped in and just started doing it that that uh, it started coming together. And it, it's been way more more successful. I mean, if there is any success to it, I mean, it, it it's done nothing but cost me money uh, and time. So I don't know that it's could be considered successful in any way, but it has been fun and I've learned a lot. So if that's a measure of success, then it's been great. Awesome. Well, hey, we're, we've had fun today and we're so grateful to have you on, man. Thank you Thanks. for making Thanks the time. So. And good luck with this. I Thanks. think it's a really cool thing you're doing. <laughs> awesome. Safe travels. All right. See you. Hey guys, thanks again for listening to the Captain's Collective. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and also hit up our newsletter on captainscollective.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, please continue to rate and share it with your friends. It helps us a ton and we're excited for this spring because we've got some really great episodes lined up and we can't wait to share them with you. Thank you again for listening. This is the Captain's Collective.